Today's guest is Daniel Singer, founder of Filthy Mixers and Garnishes. From dyslexia at an early age to finding their calling in the flavor of the olive and going on a journey to find the best flavor, this is a conversation about an entrepreneur who understood that the power of patience and the ability to withhold instant gratification was going to get them where they wanted to be. Apart from that, Anyone who fancies a cocktail is going to be able to appreciate this conversation because it's about taking a weak link in a space that otherwise is refined all the way through. There was a detail they forgot about that. And Daniel and his entire team work every day to inject love into the details. And so this is really a conversation I want you to sit back, get a drink with, and just hit play and listen to it. There will be insights and there will be fun. And there will be business conducted so you can see how that took place and take those ideas with you and move forward. So without further ado, Daniel Singer. I was looking over some of my notes and uh, they tell me, and this is something almost every entrepreneur can relate mm-hmm. to, that growing up, school wasn't always their favorite place because mm-hmm. they just didn't quite fit in. They were the 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 garnish, the 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 mixer, the they they they, they were just not part of the original recipe of the standard whatever drink you know the, the yeah. most basic format they just want to pump it out like it's uh, you know mcdonald burgers and, and and that's not the case for an entrepreneur and it, it turns out your story is no different no i uh i'm i'm massively massively struggled in school i'm dyslexic highly dyslexic i say super dyslexic because i'm i consider it a superpower i say that to my kids because one of my my youngest daughter is also dyslexic but i think life is very much about conforming or rebelling you're going to conform or you're going to rebel and if the system doesn't accept you the way you learn is not supported by the environment that you're in then rebel really really hard and I think that energy, all my mates that were sort of neurodiverse, whether it's ADHD, dyslexia, whatever their, their, their sort of way of thinking is, and we call it now a learning difference, right? It's not a learning disability or learning difficulty. We don't attach negative things to it. It's just a learning difference. We learn differently. But all my mates that learn differently, they're either entrepreneurs, special forces, or criminals. So that energy has to manifest itself, that that desire to rebel against the system that doesn't accept you, normally in three different ways. Luckily, and sometimes you can beat all three of those at the same time, right? (laughs) (laughs) Especially after a couple of London (laughs) dragons. Exactly, exactly. Um, For me, it's really about if you're going to rebel, rebel positive. And I think that's the thing when you when you're a young person growing up in in an environment maybe it's not the best maybe school is a massive challenge on top of that. At first, I always say I was sort of born in a furnace and raised by fire. And mm-hmm. as I've got older, when I'm younger, as that fire could be quite dest- destructive, right? Whether it's outward or inward, you know, you're 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 just trying to figure it out, but you're full of all of this energy. And as I've got older, what I realized is I'm still on fire, but if I harness it, it can be warmth and light. That energy can be used for something super positive. And I just put all of that energy, all of that 
desire to want to make something of myself, the desire to want to build something, to put beautiful things into the world, to respect the opportunity that America gave me. I put it into just trying to build a, a, a beautiful company filled with people that share the same passion and desire to, to take care of people in the details. And as I said, put beautiful things into the world. We are all about that, man. That's that's where we live. I love that. There's a rebellion in the details that, that you decided yeah. to pursue. Was yeah. that was that easy? Well, nothing is easy. Was it clear to you the path moving forward for how you would financially uh, get this to happen? Because you know it, it starts differently for everyone. Some people yeah. are asked by others, "Please start this." Right? Others yeah. go, "I'm going to start this," and then the question yeah. comes, "How will I make this happen?" You know, yeah. financially, yeah. will I bootstrap it? Will I Get yeah. a couple of friends to help me pitch in to make this yeah. happen. What was your yeah. journey like? So ultimately, what it comes down to is self-awareness, right? We all go through life and we have to be aware of how we work and what makes us happy and where we find joy. Because as you know, when you're trying to build something, pain is inevitable right? We are all going to get pain. It is going to be painful. So as an entrepreneur, it's really about your ability to withstand the pain, your own personal pain threshold. Some people are not built for the pain over long periods of time. And then it's about the pain threshold of the people that love you because they're watching you endure the pain and you're a psychopath, right? So you, it doesn't, you know, for you, that's just the way it works, right? You're built for this type of journey. You're, you're not built for a quiet life, right? So you're on this journey and then it's about them going, are you okay? Um, what can we do to help? And, or this is hard for us. Like we want a different type of life. So it's really ultimately about your own personal pain threshold and then the pain threshold of the people that love you. Um, when you start a business, you have to determine what success looks like. Do I want to be good locally? Do I want to be good regionally? Do I want to be good nationally? Or do I want to build a global business? That's where the self-awareness thing comes in, right? What does success really look like? What am I going to be satisfied with? You can have a beautiful local business providing great services to a community, being celebrated within your community and should be enough if you're satisfied with with that level of success for other people they pursue something that's wider um, and and um more far-reaching so what is that about is that about ego or is that about opportunity so let's take filthy as an example right i had built and scaled a national business but let's take ego or drive or ambition out of it completely, right? What it comes down to is how much can you, how far can you scale your business or service before you bump into somebody that wants to kill you? So let's say you're in a competitive market space, right? Yeah. I have a lemonade stand, right? And it's beautiful. And I want to scale my lemonade stand. At what point am I going to bump into somebody else that has a lemonade stand that does beautiful lemonade too? And then I'm going to have to spend my money fighting them as opposed to growing my business. So when you're making that decision, local, regional, national, global, 
the money question, which is what you're asking, right? Is how out of the money that I've been able to squirrel away, how do I spend it thoughtfully so I can grow and not fight? So it's really about finding a space where you don't have a lot of competition, where there's not a lemonade stand on every corner, where it's going to cost you so much money to try to take their market or to communicate to the audience why your lemonade is better than theirs and then let the market decide. So in, in the case of Filthy, I was very conscious about starting a business that had no competition. So with the little resources I had at the beginning, I could spend all my money growing and none of my money fighting. That was absolutely critical to how I built this business. I mean, that definitely is really unique in its approach, specifically because that's a lot of self-awareness going into something that most people just jump into. Right. Mm. Is there anything that, you know, before we get to the main thread here, right. I want to, I want to pull on this thread. Is there anything that you can attribute that sort of self-awareness that you're starting with as you begin this journey in your own life? Is it the fact that school was so hard and you always had to just figure out like, well, I'm not going to be like the other kids. So I got to figure out how I'm going to get, you know, and then some kids turn into the class clown, you know, what Mm -hmm. have you, is this sort of where that started for you? Would you say if you had to attribute it to something? hundred percent. Like I could not gain any knowledge from books. I couldn't read books right? or read from books. The, the words would spin around on the page. So I got all my information because I had to move forward, right? You can say, yeah. this doesn't work. I'm going to just sit here and, 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 and dissolve, or I'm going to find a way to move forward. So at the time, sort of unaware, you know, unbeknownst to me, or I was unaware of it. Um, I would just ask a lot of questions. But why do you do that like that? But why is that like that? But why is that like that? Or, and I was trying to gain knowledge, trying to understand it through curiosity, as opposed to just trying to um, get it in a, perhaps a normal way. So, and also, I'm a practical human being. Like I like to do learn things by doing things. So, as a kid, I was always, uh, you know, my mum would give us candies every Friday night. There was four of us under four at one point. So, me, my brother Mark's ten months younger than than me. Then there were twins two and a half years later. Every Friday, my mum would take the jar down after dinner and we could take one candy from the jar. I would save my candy. I'd put it in another jar. I'd use my pocket money to buy more candies. And then after six months, my my jar was full, right, of sweets. Then I would invite the neighborhood kids over. I would set up uh, soup cans. They could throw a ball if they knocked the cans. I had to pay to come in the back my backyard, right? But if they knocked the cans down, they could choose a sweet from out of the jar that I'd saved up. I was always entrepreneurial. I was always um, interested in that stuff. Back then, we didn't call it entrepreneurs. I'm 50. We used to say, oh, that person's a businessman, right? Well, that's a <laughs> businessman. So but I wanted to be a businessman, right? So um, but I would say 100%. I, I I was entrepreneurial innately. It was within me. The 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 candies and the and the backyard um, funfair was just one example of that. It manifested itself all the time. On top of that, I was curious and I asked questions. But what I would say to you is, I'm in an airport in 2006. So pre-iPhones, really, right? Nobody was tied into stuff, right? There was only, before you were waiting for a flight, there was only bookshops. 
So I'm dyslexic. So I go into this bookshop because I'm trying to kill some time before my flight. And there's this one book and it's called Blue Ocean Strategy. And I'm like, let me fumble through this, right? So I look at the back page. I look at the first few pages. And ultimately, as you well know, the example is you're either in the red ocean of highly competitive business where you're beating each other up and the ocean turns red with blood or you're in the blue ocean, a business without competition. The example they used was Cirque du Soleil, right? Circus was dying. Uh, Few people went to the theater. Some French-Canadian genius combined them to create a business without competition. So that idea stuck with me. How do I find a business without competition? And I was going into bars and restaurants. This incredible bartender movement was happening. People were using fresh ingredients, fresh juices. And I would look at these big gallons of oily, salty, shitty salad olives. And they were putting <laughs> it in these, they were putting it in these great drinks that they took a lot of pride in. And they just weren't happy with it. And I was like, man, I wonder how big that olive market is. I wonder why there's no brand in the space. And it had a $12 billion market here in the US. And I was like, man, there's no brand, huge market. So I could spend my money growing and not fighting people. And then I ended up going on this two-year olive pilgrimage, looking at 230 varieties of olives, coming back to America with just four barrels of naturally cured olives and built the business for the next three years out of the back of my wife's car, going from bar to bar delivering cases of olives and cherries for three years before I picked up my first distributor. I think it's really interesting that it was the olive that opened that up. Well, first of all, there was something that I wanted to make sure we highlighted in that story of the filling of your candy jar, your own candy jar, and what you did with that. There's this element of delayed gratification that really really comes into play there that as you were saying that, I began to realize is also a quality that many Mm. entrepreneurs are willing to deal with. We called it pain earlier in the beginning of the conversation. Yeah, that's right. Right. Exactly. There's this element of anyone with the capacity for increased or prolonged delayed gratification really would yeah. become an exemplary entrepreneur because yeah. it's almost a prerequisite to get into yeah. that arena with that yeah. way. So then you step into bringing it forward to what you just shared, the pilgrimage. And I remember having a martini and I remember the drink was fine but when I accidentally, and I thought it was an accident by doing this because that's how bad it was. I ate yeah. the olive and I was like, Good Lord, what is that? For me, it wasn't for me. But I did say to myself, if the olive was a little better, this drink might have been not bad. And I I love gin, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it's really fascinating that for you, when you saw that happening, and great book, by the way, it's one of the Mm -hmm. only books that really did stick with me as well. I I read Mm -hmm. a lot, but I don't remember a lot of it all the time. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's Mm -hmm. not the reading comprehension. I got what the book was about. Just wasn't memorable, (laughs) you know? So I think that's awesome for someone who had uh, had those challenges growing up and was like, I don't know, man, especially Mm -hmm. with school, right? Because it's not Mm -hmm. directly tied to what you're doing. So you were already practical developing businesses you read this book you go well that's a hell of an idea you start looking around you're living your life getting involved in what you're doing you go there it is right there right that aha moment for you which is super cool because you see these olives not everybody has the aha moment so you see these olives and you start going on a pilgrimage and i imagine after the 30th olive you were like am i in the right space did you ever ask yourself that were you Well, I think first of all, just to respond and say, like, that's incredibly insightful of you to pick out the patience piece and attach and, and attach that to the pain piece. 
because the longer you do something, your ability to withstand pain over a longer period of time has to be indelible with being an owner. Everybody is looking to find a get-rich um, opportunity. In my experience, that does not happen. Once you accept the fact that nobody save you, then you go, okay, what do I need to be made of to endure everything that the world is going to throw at me until I reach a point where I can sustain myself? And then it's really about ego, you know, and I'm very lucky. I've been married for 23 years. Um, my wife loves me. We've got three children that are now 19, 17 and 14, but at the time they were little babies. And to say like, I love you, do this thing. I believe in you. We'll make it work. And when the kids are small, it's okay because in a way they're not aware that they're wearing the shit sneakers or the the, the, the basketball shorts that aren't the styly basketball shorts that the other kids are, are wearing, right? But at the same time, I knew what I, my mission was. I knew what my the purpose was. So it was okay to be in that. It's okay to be where you're at and accept where you're at and not feel like you ha I hate this whole fake it till you make it thing. I I absolutely detest that. And it's not about like, it's not about like showing up or being what the room needs you to be, right? You can do that, but to attach that with being fake or inauthentic, I just, I just, I just don't get that. I would go to bars and restaurants and deliver out the back of my car and I never pretended to be anything that I wasn't. I'm trying to build something beautiful. I'm trying to be part of you creating incredible drinks for your guests. You're not happy with these gallons of olives. Let me be your partner in this space. Give me the opportunity. You want to call me at two o'clock in the morning because you need olives. I'm going to show up consistently over a long period of time. So the fact that you extracted from all of that patience and pain threshold, that's 100% right. Buckle up find out what you're made of right that's really what it comes down to with regards to not stopping yeah i could have walked around the olive bar at whole food foods right i could have picked an olive got somebody else to put it in a jar made a nice fancy label but for me it has to feel real and then it's about do i want to be in this space i love bartenders i love people in hospitality i love people that show love through service you know, Philip comes into the bar. He's had an okay day. He's just looking for somebody to be kind. He's just looking for a nice drink. He's just looking to like decompress. Everybody in hospitality that's really supposed to be in hospitality, they're like, how you doing? How can I help you? What would you like? Here's a menu. Let me take care of you. And you. so for me, I was like, man, I love this space. I love, I love people that show love through service that want to take care of me. How can I make what they do better and how can i build a business within this space so i think the first thing is i identify the opportunity then i was patient enough to really build it in a way that i felt proud of then it was about finding the community that can celebrate what you do so they can be kind to you and give you an opportunity when they have no business to people that were running amazing bars would be like okay we'll buy your olives or friends of mine would like introduce me to other friends when they had no business to be kind to me in that sense and they just were because they they felt what i was trying to do what i was trying to put into the world my work ethic my desire to just make something of myself and they gave me a shot so it it all aligns it's not 
it's about your community it's about adding value to that community it's about taking pride in what you're doing and it's about showing up all the time and there's this expression which is pain is inevitable but suffering is a choice i never suffer i love the pain mate i love it i love it i love the pain i'm grateful for the pain because i feel alive then it's just about okay what am i going to do with this energy now and i never suffer such a waste negativity suffering such a waste so i don't i don't prescribe to it i love it man um for me i i'm also it was cool having the visual of showing up you know pulling the stuff out the back of the car right you're like hey you're yeah. making deals these are all people that know you maybe some of them had just heard about you but the point yeah. is you showed up you know right. you rolled up your sleeves and people saw that at least the the business owners that i've come across in in my time that i worked for when I, when i was a lot younger it was the same thing we'd be lugging things out of cars you know getting up at 5 a.m going somewhere you know sometimes on the most of the time on the weekends we'd be going to get more supplies yeah. what have you right but then those are the people that excuse me those are the people that end up those are the people that end up having the houses the um the the cars that they want all from just sheer work ethic on yeah. a small opportunity right but it, you took it a step further because you you had a community you you actually instilled the community some people just go i'm going to do this thing i'm going to sell it and however much i make i make but you right. went a step further and said i need a community to be part of this yeah right? i want to be part of something how did you get that dialogue to happen? Was it sort of a natural extension of the people you already knew in the space you were in, or was there a little more yeah. intense behind it? There is, if you're, if you have a product, you are selling it to somebody, right? You can't, or you're providing a service to somebody. So it's understanding who benefits most from the product or service that you are, that you've created. So at the beginning of the journey, it was really about, for me, earning credibility so that great bartenders could see what we were doing and go, yeah, that is so much better than what is, is available to us now. So great bartenders were my, and continue to be, my biggest supporter. Filthy is a bartender's word of mouth brand. It doesn't matter if ultimately we're in every country in the world, bartenders drive our brand right because I, lo I love bartenders i love the community like i said earlier people that show up i want to take care of you i i just i love those i love those guys so um who benefits most from your product and then how do you communicate to them clearly so they can understand why there's a benefit to buying your stuff over the stuff they're buying right now so at that point you know miami which is where filthies was born is where i'm based had a very tight bartending community. There was this huge, um, I guess, expo explosion in hospitality at the time. Great chefs were coming down here. Chefs like Michelle Bernstein had all these great restaurants. Value stopped becoming big plates and big drinks, right? I used to, when I first came to America, I couldn't believe it. I'd order some food. <laughs> the plate was so big, I could eat for like two days on like take take home right all the stuff i i was left with on the plate i'd be like man and that was what value was right and it was incredible and then the shift happened as the chef movement happened 
people started to look at what was happening in other areas of the world. And it wasn't about value being big portions. It started becoming tapas style, small plates, better quality, different flavors. So as this chef movement was happening, bartenders and drinks were being created in the same restaurants to pair with that great food. And there was a shift that happened. And that shift, I was sort of at the beginning, really, with Filthy of that shift, bartenders sort of looking for credibility in their job. But at the time, you know, bartending wasn't a career. Maybe it was something you were doing while you were trying to be an actor or while you were putting yourself through school. Or, But then this, this whole movement happened. There were these incredible bartenders. I call them like the Mount Rushmore of bartending. But their passion and this new movement into cocktails encouraged a lot of other people to say, hey, maybe this could be a career. And then liquor brands realized, hey, you know what? A bartender, a great bartender recommends a thousand drinks a week. We're going to invest in this community. So cocktail competitions happen. Bartenders start to come educated, flown to different regions around the world to get more knowledge. And then Filthy sort of came along and connected with this community and said like, everything you're doing is amazing. You, know, you really love it. You really care about it. You're really educating yourself. What do you think of your olives? Oh, our olives? Yeah, yeah, those big gallons that you get from the food distributors. Do you like them? No, we hate them. They suck. Okay. If we could give you something better, would you give us a shot? Absolutely. And then bartenders just told their friends. That's really how it works. So what I would say with a community question, you're always selling to somebody. So what's the commonality between that group of people? And how do you connect with that group and show them that you're in it for the long run and that what you're doing provides value. You have to identify your audience. Yeah, man. And especially with social media and the way it came up, you're hundred percent right as, cause it's true. Uh, I'm, I'm just old enough to have grown up at a time where, you know, being a bartender, sure. You go get that, that it's like, the actor Don Cheeto went to waiter school. Right. And then he became a waiter, yeah. the whole, that whole thing. Right. And that was the thing. And that's what people did. But then social media came in and you started watching some of the way these people make drinks. And you're like, my God, <laughs> I don't even care how it tastes. I'll drink it, you yeah. know? And, and that's the kind of uh, power and prestige that role started to get. And, you know, however much money people were making at a time, you really can make that a career now. And it's cool to know that you saw that and you said that these are my stars and I'm about to give the stars the best product they can give. Just there, yeah. there was, there was a weak link in the chain of products you yeah. were using. Yeah. Uh, it's like, great. You're using this fantastic aged in a barrel for years, uh, uh, you know, alcohol, liquor, and then you throw a Costco or like a, yeah. you know, a Sam's club or some, some yeah. grocery store, not even taken into account for any detail whatsoever, olive on it. Yeah. Why? Why do you? Because you yeah. don't know the difference, right? <laughs> Where's the congruence? <laughs> yeah. Allow me to elevate your experience for you. Yeah. You know, no, I, let I me lo- let me love you. Let me yes. love you in these little details. Yes. This was a category that was completely void of love. Right. It was completely void of love. So for me, it was it was about creating something that really had a lot of intention behind it. We naturally cure olives for four months with salt and water instead of four days with chemicals like everybody else does. Again, an an example of patience. So we took a lot of pride in what we did. We connected with a community and that community told their friends. We did the business completely the 
the opposite way to businesses are built now. Everybody was building businesses online, right? Great social media presence. It was like a veneer on a rotten tooth. Publicly, you will look like a great thing, but those businesses weren't lasting because they didn't have businesses. So what we did was we we had such a foundational product and then the way we did it and then the way we produced it, it was so, the product was and is like we're maniacal about quality, right? You can't have a brand called Filthy and then have product that's not exceptional quality. There's no irony in that, right? So we had a beautiful product. We showed up. We did what we said we were going to do. We focused intently on quality and consistency because that's how you build a brand. Quality, 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 consistently delivered, right? That's what we did. And we were very patient. We had high pain threshold. We knew there was an opportunity to build a brand in the garnish and mixer space. And especially as we've expanded now from olives and cherries into Bloody Mary mix, margarita mix. I can fight now, right? I'm bigger than I was at the beginning. So if those other Bloody Mary companies want to like meet me outside <laughs> the front of a bar, I'm I'm more confident now, right? I'm bigger. But at the beginning, they would have just squashed me. So it was pointless us going into that space because we couldn't have broken through. We couldn't have raised enough awareness for what we were doing. So for the audience that's building like a series of products, you may have a whole load of things in your idea, in your mind of what you want to create. But where can you spend money growing, differentiate yourself, creating a unique space? And where are you going to have a product that you're going to have to fight people? And when do you introduce that product? Make sure you're big enough, you know, secure enough, have the right team, make sure the foundation is solid enough. So when you introduce products that are more competitive, like we've done now with Bloody and Margarita Mix, we're ready to have that conversation. We're ready to engage. So when we pushed from garnishes, into mixers if we were going to launch a bloody mary mix as an example very competitive set so what's your differentiator everybody else uses additives preservatives allergens all this other crap that was going in it it was in the plastic bottles right so we were like okay let's do something that's completely natural that tastes like you just made it from scratch and and put it in the most sustainable packaging in the world and let's see how people respond and in the first 12 months of launching it we picked up Marriott, Carnival Cruise Lines, um, Virgin Voyages, Delta Airlines, right? So why? Because we had built a brand that had earned people's trust and respect. People knew Filthy was about quality, consistently delivered. It's premium, but with a bit of attitude, right? And they were engaging with us, and they trusted us as a partner that we would deliver all the time, that we would help make their drinks better. So then we could introduce other products into that, knowing those products were more competitive, but they trusted and respected this at that point. Where if we would have started the other way around, just been a veneer company that was like great on social, but then as you start to pick up big accounts, you can't support the growth and then you just lose all your credibility. We didn't. We built it one bar at a time. We built a brand. We built a name that was synonymous with quality that people loved. And now we can introduce more stuff all around the same thing we're not going into areas of business that aren't connected we make the drinks people love better so now we just get to play in more drinks because we listened to the room right we listened to what people wanted and we were aware enough to 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 deliver on what we heard 
So that's how we grow. This is one of the perfect examples of, you know, the, the beauty of simplicity, right? Mm. Uh, the the idea, the number of people who overthink, oh, what should I should I start a business? So first of all, if you're asking that question already, you should probably, <laughs> you know, um, and then they're thinking, oh, I have this master plan and what have you. And sure, you had this giant vision. But you need to know where the vision started, and it's it was a simple choice. It wasn't easy to get to, right? There was a whole journey that took place, but that one unlock brought everything forward. And so many people are often overthinking things. This is another, I think, part of the inside of this journey as it, as as I'm hearing it is mm-hmm. don't overthink it. Start small, but start with quality, right? Because 100%. because. Yeah. People, let's let's take for example uh, the idea of drop shipping, and right, a lot of people can, a lot of people can try to fight uh, the big players in the game. You know, the A to Z players, if you will. Right? Uh, there's one in particular that literally is yeah. A to Z. Right? Then you have your little bespoke brand, uh, not to be diminutive, but you know, you have yeah. this brand and it's smaller, but it's it's uh, it's unique, it's boutique, and you're trying to compete. And then someone asks you, well, can you do next day shipping? Well, you know, and but that's not the point because you buy something from the A to Z players and it, you know, it doesn't feel great. It feels like cardboard when you're wearing it or what have you, if it's clothing, yeah. right? But then this is just a corollary to the whole thing that you're talking about. But then if you were to buy from us, this is hand-stitched or what have you you was aged well to to preserve the materials when you wear it it feels like you're wearing clouds you name it right all these details immediately put you in a space where it doesn't matter what they're doing so you can focus on what you're doing and i just just want to reiterate that because that's Mm. literally sort of your own journey and whether or not any of those thoughts ever crossed your mind or not it's cool Mm. to see the way business works and again it's even cooler that right off the bat all those people you were trying to speak to that you already appreciated from the beginning as you were building, then you gain their support and they're the ones telling people. And the minute that happens, it becomes something that it's out of your hands. It's, it's become yeah. something of its own. Yeah. Right? Definitely. And that has to be fascinating. Do you, do you have a metric on maybe how many places you're actually in now? Are you oh, watching thousands. that? <laughs> that, that? Yeah. That's that, you know, we, we have a great partnership here in the States with, um, with lots Division and Southern Wine and Spirit, who have been a great partner, um, Johnson Brothers in, in in Minnesota and Wisconsin. So we have great partners. And what I would say, based on something you just said, is when you're starting a business, never see yourself as a small company. See yourself as a young company, right? It's just a mindset thing, right? We're young. And all the people that got what we were doing only saw us as young. They never saw us as small. And I'm always so straight up with people, you know. We have people respond on, you know, social that will say, um, I haven't got a response to your uh, you know, to, to to something that we that we DM'd you about. And I'm like, it's um 7:30 on a Monday morning. <laughs> you DM'd us at like two o'clock in the morning last night. Um, or for the holidays, you know, like we give we give everybody two weeks off for for the holidays at the end of the year. Everybody here at Filthy, on top of what, because they should spend time with their family. They should spend time um, outside of the office to decompress after after you know what's been an intense year because we're in massive growth mode. So when people reach out to you during the holidays and they're like, "Well, we didn't get this," and like, 
we are good at what we're good at, right? Which is we produce beautiful products. <laughs> if any of the carriers, FedEx, DHL, they they charge you what they charge you, that's got nothing to do with us. So if you're saying like our shipping's too expensive or this and this and this, buy it locally, buy it in a local liquor store. But if you're ordering it online, we can control what we can control. And you know what? No, we maybe somebody didn't respond to you within three minutes because we're not a uh, you know some chatbot from China. It's some human being that works here that maybe his um, kid is graduating, and you know what they want. We who's normally on top of that, and they they went and watched their their kid graduate or something like that. So I think it's it's about just being real. We try to every day meet or exceed the expectation of the audience that we're focused on our community we try to meet or exceed their expectation every day there are some days we even with all of the energy and all of the effort you're just not going to get there or you're going to choose for that person to go watch their kid graduate and maybe not respond within three minutes it's okay just communicate to somebody back like a human being hey sorry we didn't get back to you uh cynthia was watching her kid graduate hope you understand we do everything we can to make sure that you get what you need we know your party's not for three weeks anyway so don't <laughs> worry we got you or you know what we'll cover the overnight shipping or whatever it is talk to people like the human beings people talk about b2b or b2c it's b2p right it's people to people that's it that's really it like we all are we all want to just be seen and heard and acknowledged and have somebody be nice and kind to us so talk to people like they're human beings and just expect the same in return and if you mess up apologize hey you know what i'm really sorry i totally screwed up it's completely on me what can i do to make it right you know let me do this and most people once you treat them like a human being or respond in that way, they're like, hey, no worries. You know what? I was disappointed. Let me let me take down that bad review or let me increase that one star to five because of the way that you acted. Yeah. Everything is salvageable, right? And you know, so just show up, be a human being, treat people with respect, and deliver on the promise that you made. And make sure you consistently meet or exceed that promise, or you're gonna disappoint people and you won't stay in business. I love it, man. Uh, I think I think we've we've explored so many things, many things I didn't actually intend for, which is how you know it was a good conversation. Uh, I want to roll out the red carpet for you in the interest of time here. What would you yeah. love for the listener to know about what you're doing right now? Where do you want them to go? Do you want them to visit anywhere in particular? That's very kind of you. First of all, really lovely chatting with you, Philip. It's been so such a pleasure, mate. I what I would say is if you like cocktails wherever you go whether it's vodka or gin or tequila you're normally not always drinking that spirit out of the bottle unless it's been a really rough day right you're normally <laughs> mixing it with something to give yourself what you believe you deserve so the first thing i would say is if you're making margaritas at home you're making martinis you're treating yourself to a, a nice old-fashioned you know when you come home from a hard day's work make sure that you give yourself something beautiful choose something nice watch a couple of videos and if you choose to use filthy olives our cherries our margarita mix trust that there are people behind this product that love what they do that are so focused about quality and consistency to make sure that you have a great time so trust 
that will make that drink that you love better. So give yourself something nice to drink. Choose a great spirit. Don't mess it up with, you can find everything we do at filthyfood.com. Don't type filthy into the internet, mate. I can't be responsible <laughs> for what comes up. I would just I would just go to filthyfood.com. There you'll see a place you can put in your zip code and you'll find all the liquor stores we're in. Uh, and you can get everything you need. And you can always reach out to me at Filthy Daniel. That's my Instagram handle. And uh, like I said, I really appreciate the opportunity to connect and and tell the story and, and just have a proper chat. So thank you. Yeah, man. No, um, I'm I'm very grateful. There was a lot of things that I was reminded of. Uh, sometimes you forget in the middle of the hustle and bustle. And if it's any indication, if speaking to you, the pacing, the the heart, the soul of the way we were interacting and the values that you hold and the company culture. Uh, not only do you make a quality product, but you also make sure the quality of energy behind your team is respected because that has to match the product itself. If all of those are any indication of what it's actually like to consume the filthy products, I'm on board with it. So Thanks, thank you so thank much you. for, thank for you. being the refined person that you are in creating the oh. refined culture. Uh, wishing you continued success. Hopefully Cheers. we can catch up and belly up at a bar at some point and drink some cocktails. Cheers, yeah. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks so much.